7.32, so uh, <laughs> Johnny Clegg and Jaluka with Ebola Letu. And that's uh, the way we're going to swing it. Uh, all those fantastic uh, songs about soccer and the beautiful game. If not, why not? Someone sending us a message and saying, well, that bird blows the theory out of the water that there is a distinction between humans and animals in the ability of language. And it, it really is quite extraordinary. As Ndosh said, it's almost like watching a machine, uh, artificial intelligence, as it actually speaks. But in fact, it's a European styling. And when it starts to do the little R2-D2 moment, that's the bit that like actually threw me over the edge. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, it does remind us again and again how fantastic our world is. Talking about our world, we are uh, moving into a, uh, our thought leaders, storytellers and griots. And of course, we have Small World as one of those features where we look at what's going on around the world and try and get a deeper sense. Now, we have been following, as you will recall, uh, the, 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 what's going on in Iran at the moment following the death of a young woman, Masa Amini. And post that death, which I think was a couple of months ago now, Protesters have been really uh, going, running amok and really protesting her death. They've now recently set fire on the ancestral home of the founder of the Islamic State, Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini, and uh, they are continuing to fight and uh, attend funerals. There's an understanding that funerals uh, may in fact be uh, done privately because the government does not want people to attend funerals. Uh, anybody who was around during the apartheid era will remember that as well. And there's also a conversation around potentially uh, uh, looking at public trials where the death sentence will be part of the penalty. So the, the parliament is saying that they must act decisively. People will be arrested for protesting and to carry out punishment, uh, uh, which will include the death penalty. On the line is Ibrahim Dean. He's a broadcaster, but he's also uh, an independent political analyst. Uh, Ibrahim, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Ibrahim, if we look at what has happened in Iran over the last two months, it really is something uh, well worth our engaging in terms of how it is increasing, the momentum is increasing, even against the most radical odds. Yes, I mean, I think there's, there's two things that we, we, we see as the pattern. One is the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the protests have, increased, uh, have been increasing and the regime has been uh, unable to solve the protests. But, uh, you know, a bigger issue when we're looking more globally and systemically is the fact that it's very youth-led protests. Um, and that it's very, in a sense, unorganized. There's no leadership or leading similar to Occupy, similar to the first protest a few years ago. And so we see these two, uh, um, you know, uh, these two patterns. And generally, these leadership list protests make them much more difficult. So they, in a sense, uh, mutually dependent on each other. That these leaderless protests make them, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, hard to crack down on. Um, but I mean, they, they also then come with their own consequences, uh, you know, where change is a bit more difficult to, to sometimes envisage, even though protests, uh, you know, enhance and increase. But it, you know, it is. Um, not necessarily a surprise, but, uh, you know, quite a, 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 a success for the protests to actually have been going on for this long, um, 
uh, despite the fact that, yeah, as I said, there is no real leadership involved. It's, it's, it's more I mean, organic and more yeah. age-based. I mean, when you talk about a, a, leader, a leaderless pro- mm-hmm. a protest, um, what is interesting is we can take it back to the work that was done or the protests that were in Hong Kong, which was also described as a leaderless protest, where um, there was never a sense that there was one person leading the fray. I suppose the question of this is that it becomes a question of strategy. Does it, um, are you able to deal without a leader or are you able to take this uh, in the direction that you'd like it to go to? Or does it simply become protest um, without an end in sight? I think that's the question because when we're looking at the Indian protest, and I think it's not, it's, it's not something as I said, protests have been occurring in Iran over the past five years. Uh, you know, there's been protests, for example, over over uh, prices of, of commodities that have increased. There have been prices in 2019. There have been prices over, um, you know, environmental uh, issues uh, such as, the, you know, the, 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 um, the, the, the um, uh, scarce or the not ill use of resources, especially water. Um, yeah. And, you know, what has happened is uh, many, and, you know, the one big, uh, positive of leading this process is people relate to the protests differently. Yeah. And so some people are protesting because of what she said is the hijab laws, but many others actually have other systemic conditions that have made them join the protests. And yeah. you know, it's, it's it's just in a sense the spearhead or the or the or the or the or the, or the, or, or the hook point for the protests. Yeah. Um, but what we then see is because there is this lack of cohesion, uh, you know, amongst and uh, amongst protesters, there actually isn't anyone for the government or the state to negotiate on. And, huh. uh, you know, generally yeah. when we're looking at, at that issues, we then see what happened with Occupy, what happened with the French protests, what happened with the Hong Kong protests. Yeah. You know, it was very difficult to crack down on, but also, you know, the, process, the success of the protests, uh, you know, weren't as much as people would have envisaged because of the size of the protests. Now, I mean, I think significantly when you look at the arena protests, you know, they're big, they're widespread, they're sporadic, but, you know, it's not necessarily a majority of the population that are a part of these protests. Yeah. Um, it's generally younger officials in, 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 in cities, but, you know, the majority seem to... May, may, they may not be supportive of the regime, uh, and, and, and there is a lot of disillusionment. But uh, you know, some people are fearful of the protesters' demands, or at least you know the, the public demands that we see. Uh, even though you know many are sympathetic with the, as I said, the conditions faced by the protesters, the worsening conditions within Iran, and and so there's there's a lot more nuanced relations between you know the protests and the citizenry in general. There's certainly, um, it feels as though there's a shift. I mean, when um, the government, the Iranian government, starts to talk about um, carrying out the death penalty as a punishment for protests, um, first of all, it makes me think, thank goodness I live in South Africa. <laughs> and secondly, I'm just like, wow, this, 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 feels, this feels really, really, like, bad. And, and I'm wondering your take on that. I think, you know, when we talk about uh, the death penalty in Iran, I mean, I think the significant thing is it's been there. Uh, and, you know, many disagree with it being, uh, it being instituted towards the protesters. It's, it's true, there is a, a big disagreement. But it's not necessarily something that is not, is not fully supported by the population. I think that's the big issue is 
we need to figure out you know, an, an analysis of Iran, especially because information is so scarce, but also because the population, as I said, is very is stratified very differently. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, many, especially in the Western media, see the protests as uh, anti-hijab protests, where in actual fact it's a much bigger, broader issue. Yeah. Um, and in actual fact, the anti-hijab part may actually be one of the few parts that the majority doesn't necessarily support. Yeah, it does, it does feel like that, 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 that is, that, I mean, the, the, the hijab issue is, is, is like a, what's it, it's a metaphor for a lot of other things as opposed yeah, to, that, that, as opposed to actually what's going on. Ibrahim. So sometimes when the focus is too much on that, it yeah. actually makes people not support the process because, uh, you know, Iran is a very conservative society. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, that is, I mean, especially the reformists, because the reformists are slowly supporting the process. Yeah. Um, but obviously they're supporting more of the other issues around the process, yeah. uh, especially because the Iranian political system, you know, over the past 40 years has, has been, you know, rather uh, able to be a popular system in the sense that there has been, the, uh, you know, there has been, yes, there is shadow institutions and institutions that are supposedly deemed uh, to pro, uh, constitutionally mandated to quote, protect the revolution. But there's also been, you know, elections have been rather free for all these different uh, legislative bodies. And in recent years, there's actually been a, a cracking down on those elections. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there is this quiet growing within the regime, but there is not yet a way of, uh, at least you can see, there's no way of uh, actually manifesting this discontent. Um, and it does seem as it's spiraling. Uh, you know, the, the, the burning of uh, Khomeini's house um, yeah. a few days ago, uh, you know, while not necessarily, it's, it's very symbolic. Absolutely. You know, it's not necessarily going to have an impact on the ground, but it's extremely symbolic. And, you know, it, it comes with its benefits and it comes with its costs because it then, you know, it then sometimes alienates many who supported part of the process. Um, but, you know, in saying so, uh, the bigger issue is that it's now two months. You know, the protesters are, are very easily able to out, outwit and outscale the government because even if it's not as big as it may be seen, to be, it may actually be, uh, you know, by the way they're able to use social media, yep. uh, YouTube, they're actually outsmarting the regime and you know, it's actually ensuring that the protests continue. And the more the protests continue, the longer they continue, it's more likely that they will increase uh, because, you know, the government approach seems to be very heavy-handed. And, you know, there were talks of just allowing or, or turning a blind eye, for example, to the main metaphor, which was the hijab, like similar to what they did in the late 80s, where satellite dishes were previously banned in Iran. Satellite dishes are still banned in Iran. They're just not, the law is just not enforced. Yeah. And so there was talk about trying to do that to actually, you know, weaken the process. Um, but, you know, the, the hardliners in the regime are, are not necessarily agreeing with us and, you know, that's every time the protest, there's a more heavy-handed approach towards the protest. Generally, as we've seen globally and everywhere, it actually increases uh, and enhances the protest and enhances the discontent felt by the population. And so it's, it's a spiraling situation. Uh, Ibrahim, in closing, if one had to look at the, di- the different scenarios that could take place, um, which one are you inclined to think uh, could be the way that this goes? I think there is going to most likely be an accommodation accommodation with the protests. So the discontent will continue. Uh, but, you know, uh, eventually what will happen is, uh, you know, they will peter out uh, because the regime will, will be able to either do the heavy end of the approach, but also, 
take measures to, you know, to actually wean off some of the other discontented people. Yeah. Um, and also because I think globally, you know, with the Russia-Ukraine crisis, there's this bipolarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that generally allows for such issues to happen. We saw this in Hong Kong. You know, we even saw this with Occupy Wall Street, where until there's a, a real leadership and a real uh, formation that forms out of it, um, yeah. which is very difficult. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately, heavy-handed approaches work, as we see in Egypt. And so, you know, it, 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 because of the political situation, both globally, domestically, uh, it seems as if, you know, um, the, the protests may not necessarily result in what they want to result. But, but in saying so, if they're able to continue for six to eight months, then they will have done something similar to what happened in, in Sudan, where you yeah. know, they were able to out, outweight and out, yeah. um, you know, out, outsmart the regime. And, and it's a very difficult process. It's, it's not easy, uh, especially in, in, in countries where you have a very hard-line regime. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, so... I mean, unfortunately, you know, the prognosis may not necessarily be good, but I mean, the, the, the length already surprises many Iran watchers. Yeah. Ibrahim Dean, thank you so much for joining us, political analyst and uh, broadcaster as well, talking about what is currently going on in Iran. Two months in, we have spoken about this before, but things are shifting and changing very dramatically. Two months of protests, all sparked by the death of Masa Amini, who uh, died in custody. Uh, allegedly by um, and whose death was allegedly uh, uh, done by oh, like I'm losing the words here but who, who died in custody is let's leave it at that 746.